0: feel pretty creepy.
1: Welcome to Creep Club. It's a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted, where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre and we discuss which one's creep and which one should be put to sleep. And today, we're talking about Bodies, 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 which is a... Cautionary tale about a Gen Xer named Greg, and the perils of getting wrapped up in the Gen Z's narcissistic stupidity.
0: <laughs> that
2: nice. is. I knew you were going to identify with Greg so hard. <laughs> that is a take. I am Greg. <laughs> um, I know. I thought that. I too. have so many um,
1: things we need. We we need to discuss this movie, Tanya. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. I've. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give us a rundown just briefly of the characters, because there are so few, um, and and what this movie's about, and then we can jump in, all right? Yeah. Okay. This was released a little over a year ago, last October 2022. It's directed by a Dutch actress, writer, and director, her name's Helena Rain. It was also written by two women, Sarah Delap and Kristen Rupinian. Um It stars – it's a very small cast. It stars Amand – shit, I lost her name. Amandla Stenberg as Sophie, Maria Bakalova as B. um – my Harold Herald as Jordan, Rachel Sennett as Alice, Chase Sui Wonders um, as Emma, and <clears throat> the most dated man in America, Pete Davidson, as David, and the hottest man in the multiverse, uh, Lee Pace, my boyfriend. Holy shit. I've had a crush on Lee Pace <sighs> since I first laid eyes on him in that one movie that I can't remember the name of when I was in high school. Anyway, God, he's so hot. It's... Ugh. It's tragic. (laughs) Um, And then Connor O'Malley shows up right at the end uh, and he plays Max. And I I love I love that guy. I was really happy to see him come on screen right at the end. Um, All right. So Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is about a group of unaffected 20 something rich kids and Greg (laughs) who are throwing a hurricane party at um, David's parents' mansion. And the movie opens with Sophie and B, who are dating. They're driving to the party. Um, B is going to be meeting the rest of the gang for the first time, so she's a little bit nervous. And uh, Sophie is doing a great job of calming her nerves and being very affectionate and warm and doting. Um, but there are little interactions on the way that make us feel like maybe we can't trust either of them. Like maybe they're both keeping some secrets from each other. And it's really subtle, just little glances and little slight interactions. Um, but on the way, even Sophie for the first time tells B that she loves her and uh, and B does not <laughs> reciprocate. Um, but when they arrive, everyone's hanging out by the pool and it becomes immediately clear that Sophie's actually crashing the party and no one was expecting her and, and let alone Bea, who's no who no one has heard of before this point. Um, and so immediately, relationship dynamics are tense in the group. Um, Everyone but Greg seems to be friend have been friends for a long time. Um, Greg is a guy that Alice found on Tinder. He's a lot older than the rest of the group, um, and so right right away you can start to see these cracks in the relationship, uh, in all of the relationships. Um, <clears throat> everyone's very uh, passive aggressive. Jordan right off the bat, is immediately planting little seeds of drama all over the place, trying to intimidate B. and we're like, okay, there's stuff happening all over the place. Alice is just kind of like an enthusiastic dum-dum, and, which makes her a great fit for Greg. Honestly, I wish it had worked out for them because he's a major himbo energy, and I loved it, <laughs> and and I think that would have actually been a pretty good fit. Emma is sort of the stereotypical pretty rich girl who is dating David. Um, And as David puts it, he looks like he fucks. And that's what he brings to the table. Uh, He's got an extremely fragile ego, which is on display immediately and throughout. And a major coke problem. So not a great combo. And then we have... Max, who we don't actually see until the last two minutes of the movie, but we learned that Max had been there because the party actually started the day before. Um, Sophie is not just unexpected, but also a whole day late to the party. Um, but Max left and no, they he hasn't come back and no one has heard from him. Um, and that's it. That's our cast. And that's who we spend the rest of the movie with. So we have this like brew of narcissism and like pettiness jealousy lust anger is all just sort of like bubbling under the surface as the night unfolds and the storm finally hits they had been out by the pool so they all go inside it starts raining really hard and that's when they decide to play ding 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 bodies 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 and it's like a game that i would love to play actually it sounds so fun <laughs> but um aside from the actual uh, murders but quote-unquote murders um it's sort of like a a cross between hide and seek and mafia i don't know if you've ever played mafia um anyway uh immediately it intensifies it, it intensifies everyone's situation and they're all getting uh really vicious with each other and um as the storm is raging the power's going out it's very dramatic one by one They actually start dying, and the group is trapped inside and trying to figure out which one of them is the murderer. Yeah. What did you guys think of this movie?
0: I really liked it. I had a good time watching it. It was silly. I laughed a few times out loud.
1: Uh, It gave me whiplash because (laughs) for the first maybe 35 minutes, I was just so annoyed by everything, I hated the kids. I hated their music, and I became a very old, curmudgeonly man for that first thirty-five minutes of the movie. And um, and then I saw Pete Davidson, and then my heart really sank. And then, <laughs> uh, which, funny enough, he actually turned out to be one of my favorite parts was Pete Davidson. I just kind of liked his weird energy in the movie. Um, but then I caught on that i was actually watching a satire and once that clicked i was able to go okay and then it became humorous and i was able to enjoy the movie and after the movie was over and i was able to think about it more then my enjoyment level of the movie increased um i will say i was a little disappointed also which is something i got over but um I had gone in thinking this was a slasher. So I was waiting for the movie's monster to arrive. And, of course, that's not what happens. This is absolutely more in the vein of an Agatha Christie whodunit sort yeah. of clue or something like that. And, and not a slasher movie at all. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an A24 film. And so it's got that sort of A24 feel that I love. And uh, so, yeah, I would say... It's not my favorite movie that I've ever seen, but I but okay, <laughs> but uh, but it was an enjoyable movie. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out.
2: I was telling Alex last night. I was like, man, when I pitched this movie, I was like, well, this is a slam dunk. I know you're both gonna love it, so it's an easy choice. And then I and and I I watched it for the second time yesterday, and. Uh, I laughed out loud again, too. I've seen this movie before, and it still made me laugh out loud. There are so many funny moments in it, and, and I still enjoyed it just as much as the first time, even knowing what was going to happen. Um, But at the end, I was like, man, I really talked about this movie like there was zero percent chance that you wouldn't like it. And then I was like, there is a chance that Chance will not like this movie because he's going to hate every single character with such a passion that it will be difficult to find it funny. And that's what I was worried about. I was like, what if what if it went too far in that direction? And and it completely alienated the old man of the group.
1: (laughs) It was for a minute. Like sitting on the Max train and listening to annoying teenagers, you know, where I'm just like, shut up, I'm tired, stop talking. Um, And, you know, I'd actually say, apart from Greg, um, one of the things that I kind of had trouble with in the movie is that, um, which is fine because it's on purpose. I don't think you're supposed to like these characters, right? Um, No. But there's no one to sort of like latch on to in the
2: yeah, even Greg, who is the 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 least hateable character, um, really, because he seems to be more genuine, but he is still a kind of a himbo. There's not much to hold on to there. There's not much behind those eyes. He seems kind of like a dum dum. And also, like near the beginning, he he grabs a collectible sword off of the wall of this mansion that of people he doesn't know, and uses it to crack open a bottle of champagne that he doesn't own, and that's like a clue that, you know, he's probably in the right group, you know? He doesn't
0: really have a lot of respect for others, it seems like. For me, the first clue was that he was like, in his 40s, hanging out with a bunch of (laughs) 18-year-olds, It's the first
2: clue. um, I'm blinded by his hotness. I don't (laughs) care. He's so hot. Fuck, he's so hot.
1: Calm calm
2: down, Tanya.
1: (laughs) I remember mentioning once, I can't remember what episode it was, but I mentioned some the attractiveness of a girl once in an episode, and both of you rolled your eyes. So I'm just calling you out right now. He's hot. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) But only moms
1: would think he's hot, right?
0: What? Well, Tanya's not a mom. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's a line
1: from the movie. It's a it's a line from the movie. Remember, Pete Davidson's like, oh, oh, to like- right Right, 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 right,
2: right. <laughs> yeah, Pete Davidson is like immediately uh, threatened by by Greg, which is really what escalates and gets things cooking right away, um, because he do- he he's already acting like um, a a child having a tantrum about this hot guy being in his parents' mansion, <laughs> where he was supposed to be the star of the show. Um, and and then this really hot older man shows up that doesn't ever wear a shirt. And he's like, <laughs> uh, can't handle it. Like the second Sophie gets there, we learn that Sophie and Greg are like really close friends. And Greg pulls her aside and almost like he's going to have a stern talking to with her because she showed up sort of like unannounced. But instead, he, he's just like complaining about greg (laughs) he's like i need to i need to complain about this fucking guy and um the tension between him and greg is building really rapidly and then he does coke and so there's like no filter whatsoever and he becomes like openly aggressive toward greg when they first start playing the game and greg is the first to die in the game and there's like a cute little fake out scene where they're like okay wake up you don't have to pretend to be dead that long come on and uh, and he was pretending. Give him a
0: little sack tap to call him, call him yes.
2: out. <laughs> and th- and then uh, Greg's just like going with the flow, having a fun time, and m- makes some little remark, and uh, and David can't let it go, and he's just like egging him on and really like kind of bullying him in front of everyone, and. Um, And they kind of have a blow up. But Greg is uh, not taking the bait. Greg is a pacifist. And he's like, I'm going to bed. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And he just sort of leaves the room. One of the things I loved about this movie, like, yeah, you're not supposed to like anyone in it, really. Um, And it's written so well that it is like almost excruciating being immersed in the lives of, of these people for so long. And then and then. You're like kind of relieved when people start dropping dead. It makes it more fun when people are dying. It's not scary like the the suspense isn't really like this there's not a lot of suspense. It's it's more like just a fun ride that we're on. It's like we expect people to die and we kind of want them to die at this <laughs> point cuz they're also goddamn annoying. But anyway, um I loved that like there would be these huge blow up interactions where if you're in a normal group of people who like practice empathy and have like actual connections with their friends, any one of those things would end the party immediately. People would go home. People would be like, OK, we need to break this up. But they move on immediately. It's like they have no empathy whatsoever for others' experiences. So like when when Greg is like bullied in front of everyone and it's really uncomfortable and... Uh, and he decides to remove himself. They're like, "All right, let's move on." And that happened. That just keeps happening. They just keep. They move on immediately. And it like I don't know. It's it speaks to how the murder. The <laughs> I keep saying murders, but uh, the way the the deaths unfold and and the sort of surprise twist ending it all sort of makes sense. Like, no one's really actually paying attention to what's going on around them unless it affects them directly.
1: One of the few notes I wrote down was like, we're on our second body and Alice is still wearing glow sticks. And I didn't understand, (laughs) you know what I mean? She's still (laughs) dressed for the rave, even though there's already a body count, you know?
2: Right. And they don't seem to really question people's motivations or behavior. Um... Unless it and often like they're behaving in ways that don't make sense to us. They're behaving in ways that probably we wouldn't behave in as normal people on the planet with feelings and not a lot of money. But there are moments where someone does something that you can totally make sense of. And often it's it's the character of B because B is the outsider. Greg is the outsider because he's an older guy, but he kind of also fits in with the group like he 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 fits in pretty seamlessly. Except, you know, David's not thrilled about it. Um, but B is like her character is a, is softer and more mysterious, and there's more behind her. And we know that we know like right away that there's something happening with her mom that's like causing her some anxiety. And we see her actually being vulnerable. She's the only like outwardly vulnerable character, so she's like uh. It feels like she's in the most danger because she just walked into a wolf's den. And I, I there was a moment where it's later on. So I don't want to get into it in detail. But but basically she 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 does something that is questionable and it makes them really uh, focus on her as the potential killer um, because they can't make sense of her behavior. But like, I would say the average audience member could easily make sense of that behavior because she's in shock and she's just gone through something extremely traumatic along with the rest of them, but they seem to be handling it okay. They are like coked up, they're on Xanax, like they are medicated. So their behavior is actually more confusing to me than B. but they are more critical of B's behavior and making like Sort of theories about why that would make sense, whereas everyone else seems more guilty to me. Everyone else's behavior seems more suspicious, but they're like hyper focused on B because she's an outsider. She actually doesn't belong there.
1: And B, you know, her acts of, of vulnerability um, is kind of contrasted by the phony vulnerability that the other. Uh, mm-hmm. ones have because the other times that people are being vulnerable in the movie, it's usually manipulation of some kind, right? It's like, uh, you know, I'm busting, I'm, I'm exposing myself in this way, but it's self seeking and self serving, right?
0: The time, I have you know? body yeah. dysmorphia,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alice is my favorite
1: character, by the way. I will say, once Greg was dead, I was like, okay, I need some, Same, uh, yeah. but I-, I think, I think Alice is hilarious and watching yeah. alice i was like okay that that's what tipped me off that i was watching a satire was actually because of alice
2: yeah, you need her who and she also she just cannot think for herself. She just can't do it. So there'll there'll be there's like I can't remember exactly where the scene is, but there are two other people that are really going at it and like accusing each other of things and getting really vicious. And she's like the hype man for both parties. She's just like she's being manipulated. Like she's not even part of the conversation, but she's like, "Hey, yeah, you're right. She did lie about that." And then the other person's like, "But what about this?" And she's like, yeah, wait. What about that? And she's <laughs> she's just like a candle in the wind and I love her. <laughs>
1: Well, we have to mention who dies first. We haven't mentioned who dies yeah. first.
2: Yeah, so let's let's talk about the, these. how this unfolds. So this sort of blow up with Greg happens, but they continue the game anyway. They move on immediately, including Alice. She doesn't care that much that the boy that she brought with, the full grown man that she brought <laughs> with her is sort of off-pouting. Um, and so they continue playing and and then almost to meet. So then they have to decide part of the game is um, they're trying to figure out who murdered Greg. It's It's like a month. I've never played that.
1: Way to derail the whole podcast, Dan. Dan.
0: <laughs> well, the Gen Zs in the audience oh, okay. were absolutely not so. <laughs> okay. Stop. <laughs>
2: Anywho, um, so they're going around making their cases for who it could be, but it but it turns very personal immediately, and um, everyone's feelings get hurt immediately, and um, David. Kind of says some really fucked up shit to his girlfriend that makes her cry. Um, everything kind of explodes. And then David's like, well, fuck you. And he storms off. So now we've got two men storming off because they can't handle it. And um, and he just disappears. And so they keep playing. But then while they're, you know, lurking around in the dark playing the game, it's discovered that David. Oh, actually, David is alive. But For a he's sec. banging. He's, they see him. He's outside suddenly. And he's covered in blood. And he's banging on the window like, help. And um, B sees him. And and then he falls down and he's dead. And so they go out to investigate. And it looks like his throat has been slit. And, uh, and that's really what kicks things off. And so they're trying to figure out how this could have happened. And I want to know... Like did you all what was your assumption? Like what was your immediate theory for what was happening when that when that, when he ended up dead? Like did you assume there was a an, an outside party that had infiltrated or did you think it was someone there? I'm just curious what you thought in that moment.
0: I thought it was someone there. I thought it was like a um uh, and then there were none situation.
1: Well, I was still under the impression it was a slasher. So I was still waiting for a masked psychopath with some sort of weapon to show up so
2: i definitely misrepresented this movie because i referred to it as a slasher and i i mean i kind of i chose to do that because i don't want to give it away um but also it has all of the elements of a slasher it's just who's doing the slashing that that sort of disqualifies it but if you but if you just take it like Frame for frame, it's a slasher.
0: I agree. I would absolutely say it is a slasher film. It's just uh, the tropes aren't all equivalent, which is fine. I like that.
2: So they're all, you know, uh, scrambling to figure out what to do. They can't leave because the only vehicle, ironically, with all these rich kids, the only vehicle available to them is um, Sophie's. And unfortunately, the battery's dead because um, B went back out to the car when they first got there to just sort of like collect herself and get her little loaf of zucchini bread that she brought. And they completely fucking like slaughtered her emotionally in one sentence for bringing them a nice little housewarming gift. Not a housewarming gift. Anyway. That was, that was a great moment, too. B shows up with, honestly, if someone showed up to my house, a stranger, and they brought me a gift, a little loaf of zucchini bread, I would immediately love that person. That's such a nice thing to do. Opposite reaction from everyone there. They're like, oh, cute.
0: Thanks. Yeah, like, the I, I would have expected, like, the next line to be like, oh, like, we have a chef, like, you don't need to worry about, <laughs> you know, like, it gave me that vibe.
2: Like when Michael Scott shows up to the corporate party with potato salad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's been
2: sitting in his car. <laughs> anyway, um this is actually an Office fan club podcast <laughs> <laughs> and Danny Yeah, sorry. I'm I've Danny. watched
0: <laughs> I've watched some. Yeah.
2: I how many? How many episodes? A few seasons.
1: Name them. Really? Name them. <laughs> what happened? No, oh sorry. my
0: lord. <laughs> <Name 'em. laughs> One, two, and three, <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Done. Anyway,
2: when B went back out to get her little ho- her little gift and just sort of touched herself up in the mirror to like, you know, g- you know, get her composure, she left the the mirror a light on in the car, and it killed the battery, and so they can't leave. Uh, and and the storm is dangerous; tree limbs are falling down, and so they're back in the house and they're trying to figure it out. Um,
1: we didn't mention that that the, uh, that this is a hurricane party.
2: I did mention. Did that, you mention it? Oh, no,
1: I didn't.
2: I sure did. Um, but it is a hurricane party for everyone else that wasn't listening. Um, <clears throat> so they're like, "Wait a minute, where the fuck is Greg, the weird older guy that no one really knows?" And then they sort of start um, interrogating Alice, like, "How mu- how how well do you know this guy?" And, um, that whole, that scene of them, like, trying to get information out of Allison really, like, pushing her buttons was beautiful. Her, her performance is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learn that she's known the guy for, like, two weeks, and she doesn't know his last name or his middle name, but she knows that he's a, what did she say? He's a Pisces moon, a and that really says a lot. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Or a leave it rising. That really says a lot. Um, <laughs> God, I love that so much. Anyway, that one made me laugh out loud. Um, So they go to find Greg because they're like – some people in the group are convinced now that Greg is number one suspect, and they find him <laughs>
0: <and his laughs> in a basketball really court, by the in way. In a basketball
2: court, indoor basketball court in this mansion, and he's lying in the middle of the floor on his back in an empty room with some sort of, like, LED mask on that kind of resembles, like, Silence of the Lambs <laughs> situation, um, and... And she's like that's his that's his light therapy mask. He has seasonal depression. <laughs> but he looks really scary. It's like this red LED light illuminating underneath the mask. And so they confront him. And Greg, who has been wearing headphones the whole time, has mi- he had no idea what's going on. And um, they sort of like form a circle around him and they're like interrogating him now, like, where have you been? And they don't trust anything he's saying. And he really makes things worse because he's like, oh, you're fucking with me again. I get it. I get it. You're trying to fuck with me. And so he tries to kind of like play back with them. And he's like, you're still playing your little werewolf game. And then, which was a super old man thing to say, like completely. <laughs> (laughs) didn't understand the game at all um and then he like does this sort of like fake like rah like he he like sort of lunges at them in a playful way and that just (laughs) makes everything worse um and they assume yep he's a complete monster and so oh i forgot to mention that while they were looking for him they found his go bag which had things like a knife and rope and a map with the house circled and one of my favorite moments of an an example of them like being totally baffled by like easily explainable behavior they're like why would he have a map with the house circled on it that's so fucked up and I'm like well because he's going to this house for the first right. time and there's a hurricane he, he might need to know where he's at to find his way out like it, it makes sense to the audience but they cannot make sense of why someone would be prepared for a hurricane because they're rich. Their preparation for the hurricane is making sure they have enough cocaine and booze. Uh, And so when they find him, they have his knife now. And uh, in this confrontation, it, it keeps escalating. And then eventually B... He, so there's this this dynamic where he starts to realize that he might actually be in danger because they are serious and they are threatening him with a knife. And so now he's trying to get the knife from them. And there's like this struggle back and forth. And then you start to question, like, is he guilty? I never thought he was guilty. But um, but then B, who sees this escalating and sees that he's becoming a little bit erratic and and may now he may actually be dangerous, she bashes him over the head. Um, and... And he dies. And it's really bloody.
1: The thing I didn't like about this scene, and it's something that happens in movies from time to time, when there's a misunderstanding and people Mm -hmm. don't clearly articulate what's going on or or (laughs) offer up a clear articulation of a defense. Like, it just escalated really quickly when there could have been... I just don't feel like Greg was really... You know what I mean? He could. There's so much he could have said to defend himself, I feel like, too. But
2: he didn't... I don't think he understood what was happening because, like, imagine being in Greg's position. You are playing a game where people are pretending to be dead, where there's a murderer in the group and someone is dying and he was the first to die. And then he was like, I'm out. You guys are children. And then he went off and completely secluded himself and, like, uh, like... Put on, he- like, he has no idea what's going on. And then these girls show up and they're like, You're the murderer. And he's like, No, I died. Remember? Like, he was genuinely confused. And they also sort of created, they like set up his character to be a little bit of a dumb dumb.
1: Right. Uh, well, the thing though is just, it's more like there were some standoff moments, right, in that whole confrontation. And he didn't see he seemed to escalate in a way that didn't seem natural like even though he, you know he kind of took a defensive posture because they were circling him and already like about to pounce on him but at no point was he just like okay l- listen let's all just calm down there's this is a misunderstanding this is you know he's never like giving a clear like position of like what he's thinking or what or what he was doing it it just escalates really quickly and all of a sudden he's just holding a knife and then he's getting aggressive and then and then everybody just gets even more aggressive and it just gets super physical really quickly
2: okay so i have a thought about that which so earlier in the movie she's like i think he was in like afghanistan or something i don't remember who says that but they like make an allusion to him being like a military guy or that he was he, yeah he's some sort of military guy but it's in passing and then after he's dead that comes back <laughs> around and they're like she says something about so it comes back and and Alice is like he wasn't in he wasn't a a veteran He was a veterinarian. And someone's like, why were you calling him G.I. Joe? And she's like, have you seen him? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like even I've seen this movie before and I forgot about that little detail. And when that was happening, I agree with you that it felt like it escalated really quickly. And he went from being like, what's going on around here, guys, to like threatening them with a knife. And I think that that might be intentional in the writing because we're still at that point thinking he's like, a war vet and it may, and I, I had a conscious thought in my mind when that was happening that like oh he's it he like went immediately into self defense mode maybe this guy has like ptsd and now this is going to be really dangerous for them because and the way that he was holding the knife and his stance made him feel like like he was really in control of the situation and then and then it's like and then it's a joke later <laughs> like he, he, he's just really hot and buff and <laughs> Takes care of dogs or something, and I wonder if the, if they like sort of wrote that scene to heighten that, like to play into that seed that they dropped earlier in the movie that he like is a war guy. I, I think you,
1: I think you're right yeah. because that's what I was thinking the whole time. His stand, I mean, obviously the guy's big, he's muscular, he's got like. He's not holding the knife in a way that looks like he's never held a knife before, right? Like, he's holding it. Right. He's holding it and like he he's a... he brought a
0: knife. Yeah, like, like he's
1: a soldier, you know what I mean? He has a go bag. Uh, yeah. But, but the problem is, is it? it's like, well, if it was just for the joke, it goes back to the fact, well, he wasn't an army guy. So, and not only that, he was a vet. So clearly he had some intelligence, even though he definitely was kind of a himbo as well. Um, I mean, it's a minor thing, but I just it was just a weird escalation. And I was putting my, you know, being that I identified as the older man at a party with a bunch of young people
2: (laughs) who would have a go bag in this situation, who who has a go
1: bag at all times, Uh (laughs) Um, maps, compasses, uh, water purification tablets. Um, I just feel like there's a little more conversation could have unfolded that might have. But uh, keep in mind,
0: they've done a lot of drugs.
1: That, well, fair enough. that's also true they, they were all coked up and drunk and so yeah. fair enough
2: exactly yeah okay so gi joe is dead unfortunately for me and uh and alice is really mad at them for killing her boyfriend of two weeks <laughs> <laughs> um and now we're left with emma alice jordan and the two that we started with um sophie and b and they kind of split up at this point it's like they just don't know what to do they, they don't have cell service they can't leave um but i think some of them were convinced that that greg was the killer so they felt like safer that he was dead um and so they the, yeah they kind of split up emma goes off and is kind of having a nervous breakdown she's like, staring at herself in the mirror, she's doing drugs, she, like, falls asleep, like, lose her at one point, and she's asleep in bed, and then, so there's, you know, like, a series of scenes where they're all sort of interacting with each other, and, and, um, we're starting to reveal more about Jordan's relationship with Sophie, which we're starting to learn that there's, like, some romantic stuff happening there, um, and, or is there, um, and then who finds... So, Emma is the next one to die, and we find her... Oh, Alice finds her. That's right. Um, Alice finds her at the bottom of the stairs in a pool of blood, and it's not clear what's going on, except that there's blood all over those stairs. You guys seen the staircase? Yeah. She did not trip. She was pushed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was not an owl, okay? Uh, And so everyone runs over, and, and now now they're looking at each other who pushed who pushed Emma down the stairs there's a I don't even remember what happens in this part of it, it it's it's just like they're all yelling at each other and accusing each other of terrible things for a while
0: <laughs> well don't they 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 start to assume that it's B because now she's the outsider and oh yes okay so
2: this is this is where B gets heat because B is in complete shock. She has the most understandable reaction to anything in the movie because she just killed a man and I don't think she's totally convinced that he was the killer. And so she is covered in blood and is in shock. She throws up on herself, which is also an understandable response to just having murdered someone. And her girlfriend, Sophie, in a really like yeah unaffected way is just like go change your shirt (laughs) which uh and you can see like there's like that that performance was really good it was like so subtle but you can see that now Sophie is like I don't trust B now either B is weird um so B goes to and and is just sort of like uh completely dissociating and uh finds a sweater and it's even like she's like going through the closet and like looks at a couple things before picking a sweater. Like she's on another planet right now, <laughs> psychologically. And then she's looking in the mirror and she sees she's got blood all over her face and her legs and her arms. So um, she <laughs> just there's like a little uh, vase with a flower in it. she just like takes the flower out and uses the water from the vase to like clean up her her the blood off of her, not very effectively. Um, and then she's looking at herself in the mirror and puts on some lip gloss. And it's really obvious to me that this person is dissociating and like it mirrors how she was feeling going into the situation, feeling really nervous and wanting to impress them. And now she's murdered one of them. And it was just like it, it was an, an odd thing for her to do, but also understandable. But they can't let it go. They're like, are you wearing makeup? And whose shirt is that? And they're starting to attack her and really question her motives when really she's the only one that makes sense to me. Her behavior is the only thing that makes sense to me in this movie.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. uh, And that's a theme that goes throughout the movie. And I think it's part of the satirical element of, of poking fun at Gen Z that all this really serious shit is going on around them, but they're always hyper fixating on really superficial and petty meaningless things and having meltdowns over that stuff
2: right that that support how they feel about that person like they're they're like um yeah their criticism of that person they're finding things to fuel uh, a beef that existed before anyone started getting murdered
1: (laughs) yeah they're more worried about petty drama than they are like the seriousness of the situation that they find themselves in
0: well, and, which is
2: are the funniest moments?
0: Yeah, like I think it's in this scene area, this this section of the movie when they're starting to like talk about how B is probably the person who's behind some of this, and uh, they start to question, like, well, are you actually like a university student that you like, like you said you were? Um, you know, just kind of trying to poke holes in her like backstory. And she reveals that her mom has borderline, like I'm assuming to mean borderline personality disorder. And that's why there's some tension or weirdness between her and her mom and the beginning of the movie. And, um, that's when we get the just uh, chef's kiss line from Alice like I've never like <laughs> told anyone this before but I have body dysmorphia and, <laughs> and it's like, Jordan's like
2: shut up Alice yeah.
0: <laughs> It's just everything that can it, it's very much poking fun at the whole like oh like I totally get it like mental health is serious like every time that it gets brought up I need to just make sure everybody in the room knows that I am an ally and I understand. It was beautiful.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a great exchange, but we do find out that that B is genuinely lying about some stuff. So she didn't actually go to school there or According to B, she went for one semester and had to drop out because because her mom was sick, and um and also she doesn't actually work at Game Hut, she did work at Game Hut and got fired, and was too ashamed to tell Sophie. And their their relationship is only six six weeks at this point. And also, you know, she's dating a super rich girl, as we find out in their when they're all yelling at each other about how they're all more terrible than than the next. Uh, we find out that Sophie and David are the richest of these rich kids and she's dating this uh, girl who is like coded as an immigrant who uh, lost her job at Game Hut at the mall and she's too ashamed to tell her so she's like I was basically like I drove you to work what were you doing when I dropped you off at the mall and She's like hanging out in the food court, <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, so so that um, is the last straw for them, and they force her out of the house into the hurricane. They lock her out of the house, and and it doesn't even seem like they're doing it because they feel like she's dangerous. It just feels like they're like, oh, you actually don't belong here, and you just admitted it. Like it doesn't didn't strike me as they were like feeling like they were like physically in danger. because right, They, tie- so they, they could have tied
1: her up or, or done a million other right. things. And
2: Jordan is really the one that's like pushing for right. it. Like physically kicking her out of the house. And 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 it felt like more like, yeah, you you don't actually belong here. You don't deserve to be inside right now. Um and so they kick her the out. The funny
1: thing about B's dishonesty though, yeah, she was lying about some stuff. But again they use B as a way of contrasting an idea in two different ways so dishonesty right yes B was being dishonest but in the bigger scheme of things it was pretty minor and it's an understandable reason why she would be dishonest about those things it wasn't really malicious it was more about insecurity Um, contrasted with all these really tight-knit group of friends who've known each other for a long time they're constantly being dishonest with each other. And not only are they dishonest mm-hmm. with each other, just they're dishonest with each other in ways that are so vicious and spiteful and
2: yeah. dark and they're mean. dishonest with themselves. With themselves, Each day. other. Yeah. yeah.
1: Their dishonesty is like malignant and gross. Yeah. And they're and they're, you know, looking and pointing fingers at B for her dishonesty, which is like nothing compared to who they are yeah. as people.
2: She's the a super easy scapegoat. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, and so, so B is like well, I'm not going to fucking die in this hurricane. And B is the only one that has like any self-preservation skills. So she goes to the car, she finds some Cheetos, she eats the Cheetos. She finds some underwear that appear to be dirty that aren't hers. And I don't, I think we're supposed to assume are also not Sophie's. So now she's They're suspicious. Well, we, right?
1: They, they established Jordan's. that. Yeah. They established that with the bra. Cause mm-hmm. there was a matching oh, that's bra. That's right.
2: She's, yep. there's a matching bra and she saw that earlier. That's right. Um, and so she can't stay in the car. It's not safe for her to stay in the car. And so she's trying to find a way back in, and she does. She comes in through the dog door, which I feel like is, is like, a beautiful imagery for, for how her character is treated in this movie. Um, and, oh, before she comes back into the dog door, she's looking through the window, and she sees Jordan find a gun. Earlier in the movie, they're like... Doesn't, you know, like, this is a man, sh- some rich guy's mansion. Aren't there guns in here that we can protect ourselves with? And that's another beautiful line from Alice. <laughs> She's like, um, David's dad is an asshole, but his politics check out. <laughs> 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 Saying he's, he doesn't have any guns. He's he's actually a good guy. He's on our team. Um, I loved that line. Um, I want to
1: rewatch this movie <laughs> purely just for Alice.
0: He voted for Obama. <laughs> is like absolutely what I would love to have heard. Uh,
1: her lines that. are just so uh, hilarious, but
2: I know, and and her delivery is so good. She's got like really solid bimbo energy, where it's just like she's just like she's got wearing that a cowboy looks. hat for part of
0: it, which oh, <laughs> so good.
2: Anyway, so they do. Jo- Jordan finds a gun, and B sees it through the window, and B is like seems to really love Sophie and want to protect Sophie and now feels like Sophie is in danger. And so that's really her motivation for getting back in that house. So she finds a way in through the dog door and confronts them. And she's like, Jordan has a gun. You know, they make Jordan empty, empty her pockets. There isn't a gun in her pocket. And, um, and it seems like Bee is fibbing again. Bee's is just here causing problems again. Um, but that escalates more. They're all yelling and, uh... Jordan runs over to the sofa and fo- pulls the gun out from between the couch cushions. She had hidden it between the couch cushions. and now she's pointing the gun at all of them. Um, and and that's when she reveals that Sophie, or according to her, Sophie texted her the day that they drove the day that they drove there, which was the same day.
0: It was like before that um before Sophie picked up B, I think.
2: Right. She begged Jordan to come over and they fucked in her car, which would explain the panties in the car. And um and you know, Sophie's immediately like don't listen to what she's saying. She's lying. She's just trying to get in your head. Don't listen to her. And Jordan's like, look at her texts. And it's it's so funny watching this go down because I'm like, your friends are dead and dying. You're pointing a gun at everyone. And what you're most concerned about is driving a wedge between Sophie and her girlfriend because you're jealous. (laughs) Um, And that that like, the the text message thing keeps coming up through the end of the movie. It becomes the the new focus is figuring out if Sophie was having an affair with Jordan, even though people are just dropping dead and everyone's covered in blood. <laughs> um, and in this in this in this struggle, Alice gets shot in the leg. Uh, Jordan <laughs> is the one that shoots her, but it wasn't intentional. It was a struggle over the gun. No, no, this one was
1: else. intentional. Yeah because
2: like, she, oh, she was right. talking shit. <laughs> that's right.
0: They were like, "Oh god, this is oh man, I love this part. As Jordan is trying to convince B that she and Sophie were hooking up, uh hooking up. Hooking, <laughs> hooking, hooking up. It's a new <laughs> slang term. Um uh Alice jumps in uh I guess to I don't know, try to egg people on or whatever. And at some point, it's revealed that Jordan actually hates um, Alice. Or is they claim that Jordan hates Alice and that she doesn't actually like Alice's podcast. Uh, she hate listens to her podcast. And Alice is just like... I you-? wrote
2: down one quote. I wrote down one quote from this movie. And it's, first of all, a podcast takes a lot of
0: fucking work, okay? <laughs> you have to create a Google Calendar.
2: <laughs> oh, I loved it. It felt like the, Like w- this isn't, we're not going to um, release this episode in the order of how we watched the, we, we're not releasing them in the order of when we watched the movies, but it felt like this is the the last recording for season 1 and it felt like just a nice little touch for this to be our final movie and then there was this like uh little drama about hate hate listening to a friend's podcast yeah <laughs> um but yes yeah, so jordan just loses her shit um in that in that fight back and forth and shoots her in the leg intentionally i forgot about that um and then there's another struggle over. Then the struggle over the gun happens, and um,
0: it's just like a dog pile. Like they all just kind of are right. struggling for the gun, um, which is not probably the instinct I would have. The instinct I would have is to be uh, far away from that situation. Right. Um, however, that's not what shakes down. Yeah, as as you would <laughs> right. suspect,
1: fighting over a gun, it goes off. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: And Alice is done for.
0: Yeah, she gets shot in, like, the, like, jaw, like, up into her brain. That's not... It's not a recoverable um, injury.
1: Not always.
2: And and then we scatter, and so now we're down to Jordan, Sophie, and B. And <clears throat> we make it to the second floor, never a good sign, and long story short, there's another struggle, and Jordan flips over the second floor balcony during that struggle so that that death is an accident um and she she lands on the floor and the house is already trashed there's just shit everywhere so i think she probably could have survived that fall but there's like broken glass all over the floor and um uh, but before she dies, she's she she doesn't die instantly. Uh, she's alive and she still has the gun in her hand. And her dying words are "Check her texts," <laughs> and she just starts shooting at them from the floor up into the balcony. I loved that. Um, good for Jordan all the way to the end. And um, and now we're just down to the two that we started with. Jordan eventually dies on the floor, and now now we're back to just Sophie and B and um and it becomes uh b becomes very frightened of sophie i think she is uh she's trying to escape sophie uh, essentially and so they're sort of playing bodies 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 on their own the lights are still out and sophie is almost like stalking b through the house and b is trying to hide from her um, which she does successfully until daybreak then what happens
1: um, so she, uh, B, uh, is walking around the house. It's, it's a very funny scene cause it's kind of like a, a teen comedy movie. The day after a party, you know, and everything's like, it just, right. you know, the pizzas on the record player and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, except for there's bodies everywhere <laughs> and lots of blood. And so B's walking around the house, kind of surveying the landscape. And then out of nowhere, Sophie jumps back out and just grabs her.
2: Yes. Hugs, hugs her. her like don't leave me like please don't leave me again and and so B is like still frightened of Sophie and so she's trying to like placate her and not put herself in danger so she's like it's okay i'm here everything's fine don't hurt me <laughs> um and and B asks she's like i ju- i just need to know did you fuck Jordan and there's a struggle over the phone cuz she just wants to see those goddamn texts you know there's just blood and carnage everywhere all of their friends are dead and now even B B has been s- submerged in this world for 24 hours or so and and now She's fixated on that as well. <laughs> I was I'll just full disclosure i was I was painting my nails toward the end of the movie, and I might have looked down it and, and and I know I've seen this before, but I don't remember. Does Sophie throw
0: her phone into the
2: pool so that
0: throws it off into like the muddy abyss kind of okay, so that B can't. yeah.
1: well, they fight for the gun, too.
0: yeah, there's like a scramble for the phone.
1: Well, didn't they fight for the gun first and then B gets the gun and then points it at Sophie and then was like, let me see your texts. I'm pretty sure there was a, a fight for the phone or for the gun. And then it gets into.
2: I don't remember. But again, I, I was I was really concentrated on my nail, polish, <laughs> which is fitting for this movie. Um, but but uh, they they're at this point, they're out by the pool. And. And that's where David's body is. And um, and they see David as his phone. They see David's phone. And so Big just goes over and takes it and they open it up. <laughs> and um, and then they see a video that he had made <laughs> the night before just before dying would anyone like to describe that video
1: so in his uh insecurity uh david went outside to practice opening champagne bottles with a giant blade just like the hunky greg had done and impressed everybody earlier which i i have to, one of my uh again i Al- was at alice's line that's like oh my god that was so sick we should have filmed it like when uh greg, yeah. like, you yes. know what i mean uh, anyway yes so um And at that moment, Dave was like, "Eh, I was not that cool or whatever. But so he uh, was practicing doing that. And in his drunken, coked out state of insecurity, he uh, slashes his own neck by accident.
2: (laughs) Yes. And they have nothing to say. No words. Because that you can imagine that they're going back through the events of the night prior and it's starting to hit them that there was no danger except themselves duh, duh, duh. they completely imploded they murdered each other and all it took was one tragic accident and they all just feeded on each other feeded fed fed fed, fed on each fed. other they feasted on each other <laughs> <laughs> anyway um and then uh they're just sort of shocked. Their jaws are dropped and they don't know what to do with this information. And then Max, Connor O'Malley, <laughs> shows up and he's like, What happened? He sees a body, he sees them covered in blood, everything's broken. And in that, in that like dramatic pause where they don't even know what to say, the power comes back on, their cell service is back, the fountains in the pool turn on, and B has the last line of the movie, which is just, I have cell coverage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. Right.
1: So the, the twist is, it was the toxicity of these friends that they had kept under the veneer of their phony friendship is really what killed them, right? And it would just needed yes. a, a misunderstanding to sort of get the ball rolling. Now, twist. this is a twist ending, obviously. How did it hit you guys when you first saw it? Was it like a huge revelation? Or, uh, I mean, was it satisfying?
0: I loved it, and it was, like, a little bit of a twist, but, like, not super surprising because, of course, like, I could imagine Pete Davidson doing something like that. You know, it just kind of seemed to fit that he would die by accidentally, like, slicing part of his neck off while trying to do something stupid. He just gives that energy as a human being. So um, I liked it, and it seemed to fit.
2: When I first watched it, like I because, you know, it's not like every every death in the movie is a question mark. Most of them, we know what happened, except for the first two where we're like, we don't really know what happened, um, especially Greg. And and like Emma could be easily explained by falling down the stairs because she was, you know, in an altered state for multiple reasons. Um But the rest of them, we know that they're just sort of like imploding, that they're that they're escalating it amongst themselves. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is at the end, I did not I was surprised to find out what happened with Greg, although I knew that there was going to be some explanation because of the way that it's written. It's not like a complete twist, you know, Um, like they they're showing you along the way that these these kids are just murdering each other. That they all got freaked out. It's like those videos of cats where, like, something falls over, and there are, like, four cats in the room, and they just go completely ballistic and start feeding off of each other's energy, and they're, like, they just destroy the place because something fell over. That's what this movie is.
1: It's really weird that in uh, Who Done It, there's only two deaths out of all the deaths that are even a mystery.
2: Right. You got Pete <laughs> Davidson's
1: character, and then Emma, and even that could be almost kind of explained... In the midst of it, so it's it's interesting for me. um, I I was the same way. I knew that you could see who they're setting up as a red herring, especially with Greg and with B. You know, so you
2: and also Max and Max. Like they're like Max was here and he disappeared and no one's heard from him. So there's always Max that's an option. Yeah,
1: but but you just you know that they're setting that up to throw you off. So it's not that. So I knew that it wasn't Mm -hmm. any of them. So I knew it had to be something like that, where it was just some sort of misunderstanding. So I liked the the, the quote unquote twist. It didn't hit me like, you know, the sixth sense uh, twist, <laughs> but um, it was good. I, th- I mean, I thought it was like a satisfying. It's Yeah, exquo- satisfying yeah. is
2: the right word. Yeah, It wasn't mind blowing, yeah. but it was really satisfying. Yeah. And it made me smile. Like it made me feel like it wrapped it up perfectly. Yeah, it made me laugh. And a little bit,
1: actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, the setup for it. And, like, even the music they use. Like, it's very clear that, like, Pete Davidson's character is, like, trying to film, like, a TikTok video of himself. And the, the yeah. sound clip that they use, like, over it is... It just... It got me, man. It was so funny. Like, bored at home, home, bored at home. Home at home, bored, bored at home. Like that, but better.
2: I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house bored.
0: Oh. I think is what you mean. Yeah,
2: that. Yeah, that was, like, a viral... Uh, trending audio uh, in the last few years. and it and yeah, it was just like such a scathing <laughs> look at that generation of the worst aspects of that generation. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that it landed in that way because I was like, I mean they they do it's it's such a tight script, like, I don't have any complaints about the script, honestly, like absolutely none. And even with any of the performances, it just felt like such a solid movie and also a fun one to rewatch. Like I was surprised how much I enjoyed rewatching it. And it's one that I would want to watch again and it's an accessible horror movie because it is satire and it's really funny like I watched it with Alex and he's afraid of everything and hates horror movies and he really liked it but he's also a Pete Davidson fan which I cannot make sense of like he just loves Pete Davidson huh
1: (sighs) this movie actually made me like Pete Davidson
2: he's actually a really good performer and he's really entertaining. Yeah. I'm just tired of hearing about him. That,
1: that's why I don't like him. It's just because I, I, I'm not familiar with his stuff per se except for a little bit of SNL, but it's just the uh, place he holds in culture that I'm just like, all right, I don't need to hear about this guy's yeah. every move every day. I don't care enough. But um, but in this movie, I, it, it kind of turned me on to him a little bit. Like I was like, you know, he's pretty funny. He delivered a good performance. And so...
2: yeah. Nothing can touch Alice though. Alice is by far yeah. hands
1: down the best part of the movie for me. Made me la- every time she spoke, I laughed hysterically. And uh it took the uh edge off for me in terms of like like I mean I was really grinding my teeth for about the first 30 minutes <laughs> of this movie listening to these this cast talk <laughs> um and the music that was playing, you know, it just everything about it was just getting me in a bad mood. Uh but then uh the humor that they brought with that satire really made me enjoy it a lot more and Alice was at the heart of that by far
2: yeah so how would you rate it?
1: I... man, it's so hard I'm going back and forth because again... There's this whip... I only watched it yesterday, so I'm still kind of dealing with the whiplash of going from (laughs) really despising everything that was happening to um, getting it and then, like, really enjoying it. So, um... I would would give it a 3.75. It's better than your average movie. It's written pretty good. I think the cast brings a lot. I uh, I think the performances are really good in this movie. And, um... The only thing that I don't, and it might just be from the disappointment because I was expecting a slasher movie, was I'm not even sure if you could call this a horror movie. Like it's, it's got horror element. Really? Yeah, I mean it's
2: it's way too bloody to not be a well, horror. Movie. I mean it's got
1: horror elements, being the blood for sure.
2: This is ch- We should have a T-shirt about this. Chance's argument about every movie is that it's not technically a horror movie. Well,
0: I'm not <laughs> yeah, saying, so there's like a it's a
1: more than a horror movie. How about that? It goes. It breaks out of the genre of just horror. There's, there's other genres. I think genres that's true for up.
2: most horror comedies. Yeah. it's a, it's a horror comedy, and I think, I think that's it. Like the comedy softens it enough that it, yeah, it doesn't feel like it quite fits into the horror genre. It doesn't fit into the slasher genre. really. Well, I just
1: mean the, the who. Whodun- I mean, it was so much more of a whodunit, and I would consider that more of a murder mystery, which is not technically horror.
2: Yeah, it's a really bloody murder mystery Like, when I watch
1: a murder mystery, I'm more intrigued by the unfolding of who who these characters are and the mystery around the deaths, right? That's really what, like, makes a whodunit a whodunit. And there's not... I'm never scared when I watch a murder mystery, right? You're more involved in the intrigue. And that's how this movie was for me. I was more involved in the intrigue and the whodunit element. And at no point was I, like had that like horror fear nor did they yeah. nor did they really present horror fear
2: yeah they didn't write
0: it yeah that way. Yeah. yeah danny um i'll give this a solid four if not a 4.5 i really enjoyed it it was silly i do want to watch it again um and i'm also like a little bit curious to see how it like ages over time um i could see myself wanting to watch it like years down the road and just kind of like when your chances it. age when I'm <laughs> the ripe old age of 74 like chances now 74
1: years young
0: Yeah,
2: um, I would also give it a four and a half it's like not my typical it's not a movie that I would typically rave about like the, the general genre that it fits into but again it was like just such a tight script and it made me laugh so much and and again, the ending was really satisfying for me. Like it, it's like a little morsel that I was excited to watch again, and I think that says a lot. I was, I was really thinking about a four, and I was like, I know, I, th- I think it deserves the extra .5. Um, I would say also that it, the the reason, another reason I love it so much is that it. And Chance, you made a comment earlier that when when it's daybreak it has that feeling of like 90s party movies where everything's trashed and you're all just sort of assessing the damage and you're like adult you're like what do i even do now and the whole movie has that kind of vibe for me of like a throwback to movies like um i don't it has the a little TV bit of skins, a lot of things
0: which is i've never seen it but you talk about it a lot it's weird how don't, much about. I, it's weird how much you talk about it because i do not like it
2: Oh, then don't compare it to this. Um I'm thinking more of like it has a little touch of Scream, but it also has a little touch of like um like I don't know, like Seth Green could be in this movie, you know? Like you could just tr- you could transport the concept of this movie back to the 90s and do the exact same thing with with like how that generation was criticized by older generations and um and so it has a like even though it's highly specific to trends of this generation that they're following it has a timeless quality in that way that's just like i don't know it, it feels really nostalgic so any any final words who should watch this movie
1: i mean i think anybody that enjoys horror even a little bit and definitely people who love murder mysteries i think they would enjoy it
2: people who are very critical of gen z would love this <laughs> yeah, movie. right
1: too Although I don't think it was vicious, it's definitely making fun of Gen Z. But it was—it's it's the, wor- it's the It's the—it's fair, and it, it is the worst elements of Gen Z. It's not like indicative of everybody who's in that age bracket, right? And the- it's
2: also like narrowed down to rich kids, which everyone can agree deserves some critical depiction, right? Of
0: it punches up, as they say.
2: Yes. Um, I want to leave you with just a little bit of trivia that's going to make you roll your eyes. But who, me? Um, Pete David, everyone oh. in the world, <laughs> Pete Davidson and Chase Suey Wonders, who played um, Emma, his girlfriend in the movie, ended up dating and they just broke up in August. Who hasn't he dated, though? But it's just funny that, that that's, like, looking at their relationship in the movie. It's really when sparks flew is what they met on the set and then started dating. Beautiful. I'm going to yeah.
1: DM my condolences on Instagram real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Dear Pete Davidson, we don't know each other, but...
0: I have body dysmorphia.